exactly what you were saying, Josh. I mean, there's stuff to do. It, you don't just go belly up and nurse a drink all night. There's other things to do. You're seeing uh, the, the sports simulators, Top Golf. There'll be an indoor virtual shooting range. There's a lot of tequila just worth trying, too. Mm-hmm. For the story, for the sake of research, I tried about seven. <laughs> oh, yeah, for the sake of the story. She was yeah. really working Doing hard this working weekend. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get over there. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. So Maybe not for you, though, if you don't want your meats to touch. You need, like, the, 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 the segmented uh, bento box. I'm Josh Duke. And I'm Alex Darris. And you're either watching or listening to Dine, Drink, Cleat, the podcast, where each and every week we're going to be joined by Cleveland.com's best and brightest food experts, insiders, and influencers. What are we talking about today, Alex? There's a lot going on today. Um, we're going to be joined by reporter Mark Bona, who's going to talk a little bit about some changing dynamics in the greater Cleveland, uh, Northeast Ohio brewery scene. Um, National Margarita Day is coming up on February 22nd. So Paris Wolf is going to join us and tell us a little bit about what is a margarita, where can we get some, kind of just talking about our favorites. And then finally, we'll be joined by Peach Carrion to talk about a new fast casual barbecue chain and kind of talking about in general the, the trend of fast casual restaurant so yeah welcome mark thanks guys yeah so over the weekend a lot of news happening in the especially akron um brewery world so why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on well the biggest news was uh because of the breaking news of Arche Brewing announcing their closure. My wife suddenly got thrust into the spotlight to cook for a dinner party that I was supposed to take the lead on. So, but that oh. was a um, no, yeah, th- this was a lot of news uh, and and really, you know, sad news. Uh, Arche Brewing announced that it will be shutting down. Uh, Sunday, March 3rd is the Akron Brewery's last day. They have two locations. One's in the Merriman Valley and one is in Canal Place. This is really a series of really bad dominoes that were, you can pick your metaphor, snowballing, rolling, going right at Ron. Um, and it was a bad situation. And in a nutshell, what happened was uh, Ron opened his brewery in the Valley in 2015, nice little strip mall, became very popular very quickly, so much so that he decided he wanted to expand. And in 2019, he did that with a lot of loans behind him and things were going okay. He chose a very large industrial cavernous space in Canal Place, uh, really cool, I thought, in downtown Akron, a stone's throw from the ballpark and right in the heart of downtown Akron, close to the university. And then four months later, what he didn't see in his crystal ball and none of us saw in any of our crystal balls was COVID and all of the restrictions that that brought up, brought everybody. Uh, that was a huge problem. So a while back, late last year, he started a crowdfunding venture because the interest on his loans, I really don't want to get too technical on business mm-hmm. yeah, on yeah. podcast, mm-hmm. but basically uh, his loans ballooned up uh, several percent, which was par for the course. I mean, it wasn't anything sneaky or anything mm-hmm. that could happen with the government keeping uh, 
keeping time with inflation, so to speak. But that translated to him having to bring in about $20,000 more a month. That is very difficult to do for most businesses. Yeah, let alone a, a restaurant or a, a brewery. That is exactly <laughs> right. So as a point I made in the story is it's one thing if you're Boeing and you have some sort of a major problem and you need to make that up, you find another order for a couple of planes and you're you're back in the black. You can only sell so many pints of beer and plates of chicken wings. Twenty grand a month is a huge, huge pop to hit. Mm-hmm. And and that was a huge problem. So, you know, financially things snow really snowballed in a in a very bad way. Also, material costs were going up, and he saw the writing on the wall late last year, and the whole thing really was a recipe for disaster. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. And outside of the financial kind of hardships and, and timing with COVID, were there any other factors that kind of led to this closure of Arche? Yeah, there's, there's a serious um, shift in demographics among beer drinkers. And I don't really find, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I really don't find this to be a negative thing on any generation. It's just each generation has their own proclivities as to what they drink, what they don't drink. And a lot of very, very young drinkers are trying different things. They're not automatically gravitating to beer the way multiple generations, mine and yours too, did for a while. Now you have young drinkers who are looking at ready-to-made cocktails. They're looking at Yum. hard seltzers. They're looking at the alternative ciders that are out there. And as you have done a lot on, Alex, the sober-minded, sober-curious mm-hmm. people, mocktails and things like that. Yeah, non-alcoholic. There, there's just a lot more, too, just in general, available to pick to drink, whether you're drinking alcohol or not. Your choices are a lot So more. great point again, because if there's more available, that means that the breweries who 10 years ago used to have eight to 10 different, different beers on the shelf in a typical grocery store now are fighting to have two or three. Yeah. So that's fewer options. That means less revenue mm-hmm. coming in. So it's... Competition is good, but it, this is kind of the negative side of it in a way, and and it's really it's just kind of hurting things. Now, what we're left with is craft beer has about a th- right around thirteen point two percent market share, so that means that even though we can talk every week about the multitude of breweries in this state and in this region, there's well over four hundred and twenty right now in Ohio. We have about ninety or a hundred in Northeast Ohio. The majority of beer being uh, consumed in this nation are the macros. That means Miller, Bud, Coors, things like that. We are going to find out in several months what that market share figure, the updated figure is like for craft beer. I'm really interested in that. I'm predicting that it's going to slice down a little bit for all the reasons that we just talked about. Mm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. But it's not that Obviously, not not all bad news because I know you also had a story that Brew Kettle on the on the flip side they're kind of expanding, doing more um, with their brewery. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, good segue in a way because in the in the Arche story, I interviewed John Nayway, who is the owner and founder of Thirsty Dog Brewing Company in Akron, uh, largest brewery in first in, in Summit County, and he said he sees the future of uh, of craft beer to be to be basically in consolidations acquisitions so an example of that that we're seeing that has started over the past several months is the brew kettle Mm -hmm. 
The brew kettle slowly over the past several years has expanded. They have about, I want to say, four or five locations. They go as far west as Amherst, as far east as Mentor. They're down in Canton. They expanded in Canton. They they're, they're, um, they opened with Top Golf down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've got these cool things going. But then they started acquiring other breweries. They bought Canton Brewing Company, and they recently bought Lock 15 Brewing Company, which we spoke about in Akron, letting that brand stay the way it is and and really just you know keeping it for what it is. Um, but they also are announcing that they're moving into Brunswick. That's the latest expansion project. It's right at the southeast corner of Center and Marks Roads. That's Ohio 303, right in Brunswick. Good location because, to me, a good location for a brewery is when you either have one or two around that craft beer heads can hit, or Mm -hmm. there's nothing anywhere close, and you'd have to drive several miles. I think there is a need for it. I think they'll do pretty well. It'll be interesting to see. But Brew Kettle has really taken a bullish approach. They are buying, buying, and buying. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so uh, obviously expanding by purchasing other locations, it seems like that's working out for them. But like you mentioned before, it sounds like there's a little bit of a – um, a change in culture or a change of demographics to the type of people who are interested in like craft beer now. So uh, I know this new location and maybe another, they are implementing stuff like VR simulators, golf simulators yeah. and stuff like that. So for me, as somebody who's kind of a gamer too, um, and somebody who definitely fits the mold of um, looking more for these alternative healthy or cocktail mocktail yeah you're not go to a a heavy beer right right so to hear them implementing stuff like that oh i'm like okay well i could go there and i can you know give them business because i have stuff that is interesting to me so i think that it'd be cool if more continue to implement strategies like that yeah i think that's a good point too because it's like also, like you said, there's so many breweries. Sometimes it's like, okay, which one do we want to go mm-hmm. to? And like my family, it's like we have the ones that we like because of the food. Like mm-hmm. it's not that we'll all drink beer or whatever, but we'll just go because it's easy and family friendly or whatever. And they have really good food. So it's almost yeah. like, yeah, they'll succeed if they have the other aspects. And I mean, Brew Kettle has a pretty robust food they do. They, have, they well. have a great menu. And craft breweries recognized early on. I, I Sometimes I used to write that craft breweries are this generation's corner bars. Um, they're, but that's like corner bar 2.0 because mm-hmm. exactly what you were saying, Josh, I mean, there's stuff to do. It You don't just go belly up and nurse a drink all night. There's other things to do. You're seeing uh, the, the sports simulators, top golf. Mm-hmm. There'll be an indoor sh- virtual shooting range as well. There's all sorts of things. And breweries immediately embrace this concept. They started holding trivia nights. They started doing maybe bringing in a singer-songwriter, yeah. doing different events like that because people – especially the last two or three generations are more interactive focused. They just don't want to sit there at the bar yeah. and, and do nothing else. I can't imagine just being slammed though with like a VR. I think you said a VR shooter, like what is it like a headset, just like trying to <laughs> navigate in the virtual world. When it's you're a really- safe way to experience that, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Tipsy, you're probably like, it's probably making you, you're, I don't know. I'm probably going to make you feel a little motion sickness. Oh, stuff yeah. like that. I, I can't imagine. No, but they, they probably, you probably, sh- they should have people sign a waiver. Or <laughs> they probably are going to need a waiver, but it does sound super, super fun. Yeah. I definitely try it. And now we're joined with. 
Paris Wolf, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about Margarita Day, some recommendations, including tequila, maybe. Welcome, Paris. Yes. Thank you, Josh. So National Margarita Day, February 22nd. What is the scoop? Oh, that's when this episode will be coming out. So happy National Margarita (laughs) Day. Um, But what is is the scoop? What have you kind of been learning about this cocktail that everyone kind of knows about, but maybe they don't know? Well, it's the most popular cocktail in the country right now. Um, It's always best when you juice your own citrus, mostly lime, unless you're doing something different. Um, The tequilas, which are um, Blanco, Reposado, and Anejo, um, different bartenders disagree on which which style to use. Yeah. Um, The Blanco's like probably the most typical, right? No. Oh, really? I was surprised. I thought Blanco, that's what I like. See, I like a Reposado margarita. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I talked to, well, just to be clear, the Blanco is the unaged. It can be aged for up to 60 days, but no Mm. more. The Reposado can be aged for up to two years, and then the Anejo can be aged in a barrel for longer. How um, long? Like, however, uh, anejo in Spanish means old, so it's literally just. So be, it's like kind of like wine, where it's like the the longer you age it, the better, or more. It can depend because some yeah. wine gets bad if it. I don't know. It's more you, like bourbon, the longer you age. Yeah, it, that is true. Yeah. But um, yeah. So they're all kind of different, but they're all the same. Blue Weber agave has yes. to be made in certain regions of Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's why um, I know there's some distilleries in Northeast Ohio who make great tequila mm-hmm. to put agave in margaritas but spirit. yes they can't call it tequila it's called agave spirit like i know mm. western reserve distillers you right. talk to for your story they yeah. make amazing but they can't call it tequila because it's not made in mexico yeah i when i was uh traveling to mexico in the last couple of years i did a couple of tequila tastings and they were so big on i can't remember the specifics but blue agave they were blue like, weber agave yeah yeah blue, yeah blue weber agave they were like very, 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 very adamant about that being such a key ingredient. So what it's is, the only yeah. thing you can make tequila from. There are more than 200 varieties of agave, but and probably 40 of them are, can be used in mezcal. But mm. for rum tequila, it has to be Blue Weber agave. Now, there are some cheaper tequilas that use Blue Weber agave, and then they do some sugar in addition. Those are the ones that... Make um, an additive. They'll give you a hangover. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So uh, talking about the like the name brands. So Patron, is that is that checking the boxes? Oh, I think it's good. Oh, yeah. Patron, Don Julio. Don Julio. I like I was just telling Paris one I like, which it's not as common at the bars, but it's called Siete Lenguas. Mm. It says it's like seven um, is on the bottles. And it's similarly priced to Patron. But I think it's like I could drink it a tequila soda with that. Like it's really good, mm. a good sipper. But there's a lot of tequila just worth trying too. Mm-hmm. For the story, for the sake of research, I tried about seven. <laughs> oh yeah for the sake of the story she was yeah. really working hard research. this working weekend hard. yeah 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 but um what Don did Julio you like is probably among my favorite yeah and i really do like blanco in my margaritas mm-hmm. when i talk to people at nuevo modern mexican and tequila bar um the owner said she prefers to use a reposado yeah and i've got reposado out of four people i talked to i got two reposados one um, Blanco, and then the third person, a fourth person, said that they would use um, the Blanco in a in a summer to, in a summer margarita, and they would use the um, 
Reposado in a heavier winter. I think that makes sense. That just, you just like unlocked something for me a little bit. <laughs> now um, you need to buy more tequila. I know. But speaking of, I guess, uh, Nuevo Modern Mexican, are there any like, what what local places do you guys like to drink margaritas? Because I am, I personally, I believe I'm a margarita expert. Um, I've had quite a few okay. around town. And but- you're going to agree with me. I know you are. Okay. Yeah, what do you like? Blue habanero. Oh, yeah, they're so good at blue habanero. I was going to say blue agave. Blue agave uh, tacos and tequila. Is that on downtown? the phone? I, I don't think I've had one there. Um, But what's also good is next to blue habanero is La Playa, which it's owned by the same um, owners. Like, it's just a Mexican seafood restaurant with a different they don't do as many margaritas as blue habanero because they're next to each other and they want to keep it different but they have a soft serve margarita Mm -hmm. and if you've ever been to like disney world where the the dole whip i don't know how but they make a margarita that's like the consistency of dole whip and it's Mm. so good it's really delicious yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say i used to be like when i was first coming up in my early 21 drinking days i used to be like oh only frozen only frozen only frozen but now it's like Keep that frozen stuff away from oh, me. Oh, no. It has to be. Yeah, no, that's yeah. usually I never have a frozen margarita. But then this, because it's like a weird ice cream consistency. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is like a delicious treat. Yeah, it sounds dangerous. Keep the gun away from me, too. The ones that they oh, have yeah. the gun. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, any mix color. in a plastic bottle, that <laughs> kind of thing. No. Yeah, it's not real. Which I know it doesn't. It's it's a different cocktail, but I've also been really into Palomas, which is like a margarita, Great basically, fruit. but mm-hmm. yeah, with grapefruit. And I had one at Clandestina on West 25th, which is a Mezcal tequila bar. And oh my God, they I had a, I, I tried a couple different cocktails there. They are mm-hmm. so good, especially if you are like a tequila margarita person, but want something like a little outside mm-hmm. the norm. It's a great place to go try stuff. Once again, when I was talking to the different um, restaurants, they said somebody said they liked Blanco in their Paloma and someone else wanted the um, Reposado in their Paloma. Yeah. Okay. So I am still engaging in dry January, even though it's February. Oh, yes. Wow. So would you, is there a way to make a mock? Um, yes. A mock they have margarita? non-alcoholic tequila. Te- I don't yeah. know if they call it tequila. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's made in Mexico, but non-alcoholic versions of that. Yes. And they also have... There's this recipe at the end of my story that's a margarita. Oh. That um, uses the juices and gets a lot of the um, characteristics. And then if you're drinking it with someone else, you can mm-hmm. batch it and put tequila in theirs if you want. That actually sounds interesting. I'll check that out. You'd probably like that because it's just probably like really good juice. Like no <laughs> alcohol at all. Like. Yeah. yeah I, think a, I think a good mocktail for me, I've experienced. Like, like, yeah. It do you want to it have... to taste like a spirit? Yes. I okay. want it to, to have like a. Mm, like a punch to it you know what put I mean? a hair on your chest yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah. well you got to go to verbena then in ohio city because they have that's all non-alcoholic and i'm sure that would be a place you could go and find a, a tequila alternative yeah, or something yeah and now we're joined by peach carrion who's going to talk a little bit about a new um fast casual barbecue restaurant in willoughby called grill and we're we're going to learn a little bit about they've been open about a year now and we're going to learn what they've been doing there and how the concept translates to barbecue. So hi, Pete. Hey, good to see you both. Yeah. Hey. So give us give us a lowdown. What's what's going on at Grill? It's a really fun little place in Willoughby, uh, kind of uh, down Euclid Avenue. They have this big stretch of 
uh, restaurants that are out near where the hospital is. And uh, I sort of fell into knowledge about this place. And they sort of do the fast casual uh, assembly line aesthetic or assembly dinner aesthetic, whatever you want to call that. Um, essentially the Chipotle sort of model, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but they do it with barbecue. And the owner and chef, uh, Ziad Achar, I think I got his name right there. Um, he's Lebanese. Uh, for several years, he was running a place called Flame, which was in the Glenville neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It was like a uh, basically a chicken place. He had uh, come from another fast food background and decided that uh, from a food desert perspective, there needed to be more healthy options in the neighborhood that he was situated yeah. in. He mm -hmm. was there for several years and now has sort of moved on to this new concept. And the concept's really amazing. It's very, very cool. And much in the style of like Bibi Bop that does that with Asian food and Chula, mm -hmm. uh, who does that with Indian He's got a, a real solid concept there. He's already uh, been in business for almost a year and is considering a second location uh, on the west side. He's starting to Ooh. scout out some places. He, he didn't want to comment on where or how, but um, he seemed very positive that that was the direction they were wanting to head in. That's good news for those of us on the west side. But yeah. um, I guess walk us through, like, when you go there, what is, like, how do you order? Like, do you start with the meat or, like, is there, like... Like I think of Chipotle and they're like, okay, what kind of rice do you want? Yeah. Like, how do you, how does it work there? Well, it starts off exactly that way. They give you like four or five different options in terms of your base. Rice is certainly one of those. Potatoes is another option that you have. Macaroni and cheese. So you get your base starch essentially. And then from there, uh, you get a choice of several different kinds of proteins. So uh, he offers a grilled chicken, brisket, um, pulled pork. Um, which is uh, slow smoked, really good. Also smoked sausage, that's another option. Um, and then you sort of work your way down the assembly line. The next thing you know, you've got, uh, you know, veggies and various other toppings. So he has something called cowboy caviar, which is essentially mm. like if you've ever had that, um, like a summer uh, corn and black bean like salad. Succotash. Uh, <laughs> succotash. That's yeah, what right. people call it. Exactly. Um, so there's that. They're pickled pickled onions, various um, other types of things, jalapenos, mm -hmm. and you can add all of that. Then you have a number of different sauces. He makes all of them from scratch mm. wow. in the back. Um, and the barbecue is really solid, but he has several other varieties of sauces that I was just floored by. So, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't not be excited. You come out with this giant bowl of barbecue it was, mm -hmm. and it just looks and smells amazing. It was just delicious. Yeah, so like, I've always felt super overwhelmed whenever I've ever checked out um, a fast casual place like Chipotle, Piata, because there's just so many options. I'm like, I don't really know what Piata, to do. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. So I uh, so normally like my way in is to get a recommendation from somebody like this is how you should make your bowl and I'll do that. And then I can make my adjustment adjustments from there. What would be like your go to like bowl right now? Oh yeah, Do they have any like pre-made menu items or is it all customized you can you can pretty much customize everything they mm -hmm. don't have them all set up um in individual sort of you know no substitutions yeah. sort of thought process everything is mm -hmm. uh, pretty much uh it's it's a it's a free ride you know you okay. go in there and you just pick what you want and throw mm -hmm. it all together so and that can be challenging for some people but i think um there i have some dietary restrictions in my family and so 
these varieties of places to go and eat are especially appealing because, you know, someone with a dairy allergy, for instance, like mm -hmm. my daughter, she can kind of steer away from all of that and still have a really wonderful meal. You know, my son, who tends to be a little bit more of a fussy eater and, you know, likes what he likes, could sort of, you know, steer and dial in over there. My wife is vegetarian, so... You know, you can see where all of this is going. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can all show up, though, at one place. And without having to be like, oh, can I get this without that? Like, I'm sure yeah. it becomes cumbersome when you're always making substitutions and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, this really gives everybody the opportunity to figure out what they like and uh, and to sort of explore it. Okay. I have a question for you. Okay. <laughs> I saw TikTok on this place. I did a little bit of research. Yeah. You know, had to prepare. Do they offer you the ability to sprinkle hot cheeto dust on things <laughs> you know i didn't see as a secret menu item okay. <laughs> I, didn't I don't know see cheeto dust when i was there but that doesn't mean that you can't mm. that might be one of those things where like you have to you know give mm. them the look or there's a secret handshake yeah. or something i don't gotcha. know yeah i'll have to do some further digging because that was like a selling point for me yeah you love a restaurant with a hot Cheeto, anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like <laughs> corn on a cob. Yeah, some no, I do. Like, I love that. I yes. love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, can, mm -hmm. I can get behind that. Mm -hmm. One other thing that's really great about this place, too, is that they have uh, lunch specials, two of them. One of them is a burrito, which is essentially, it looks a little bit like Chipotle when they get done wrapping it up together. Mm -hmm. um, but also these really great um, $10 quesadillas. They call them killer quesadillas. And you can essentially Ooh. get them filled with all of the things that you would get in a bowl. And it's a 10 spot. You know, each one of those things is only $10. So, wow, that you know, sounds good. that's a, a quick, a quick meal on the run if you're, you know, wanting to duck in during lunchtime at work or whatever. Yeah. I can't think of any other like barbecue fast casual spots around here. Around no. Here. Mm -hmm. no. So this is a, a pretty unique spot. No, I know. Um, Well, he, yeah, you mentioned Chula, but I feel like even which it's not the same, but the brassica concept it's kind of like right you, you pick your own build your own kind of thing um but it, it it does seem to be like a trend kind of um well i read jamaican kitchen that's mm. like jamaican chipotle pretty much that's how he would describe it the owner mm -hmm. chef omar i talked to him a couple weeks ago um and he said that's how he came up with the concept now they're coming gearing up to open their fifth location but he saw Chipotle and he's like, oh, I could do that with Jamaican food. And he he heard from people that Jamaican food wasn't as approachable. People were a little more like timid about it. So mm -hmm. the concept kind of makes it more approachable for you to try things you might yeah. have not elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, unless you're like me, you're like, options, uh. <laughs> no, thank <laughs> no, you. No, but that is, you reminded me of like when I first went to Happy Dog and they used to have like the, the pre-made ones, I'd be like, okay, Michael Simon orders this one. That's what I'm going to do because I'm too scared. To, like, Or like I've gone to Happy Dog or like a barrio where you're building your own taco and then you start checking off too much stuff and mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, I ruined this. You have to get a new paper and start over. Yeah. Well, but trial and error, you might have to go and experiment. And Well, that is what seems fun about it too is you could go multiple times and have a different meal every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a huge... Uh Part of the appeal, I think, is that you can do something different every single time you go, and uh, you know, and no two meals will be the same. And really, in a lot of ways, when you look at how these bowls turn out, no two bites are ever really the same either, because there's so mm. much stuff going on in them. So, I'm a huge fan. I it, he, he, Ziad really won me over with what they're doing over there, and I expect big things to yeah. happen. No, I gotta I gotta get over there. Now I'm hungry. Yeah. 
So maybe not for you though, if you don't want your meats to touch. The oh my gosh. <laughs> You need, like, you need like the, the 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 segmented uh, bento box. Yeah, I'm. I was just joking. I'm fine with it. Mm. But yeah, the lunch tray with the dividers. <laughs> yeah, right? is that what you're telling me? No, I saw someone recently. I don't, because my friend and I were talking about like mm-hmm. cereal you ate when you're younger and how it's like the best thing when you mix all the cereals together. But someone took one of those trays that had like four mm-hmm. and put like four different kinds of cereal <laughs> in it. Like, that's kind of genius. Like you could. Mix them all together a little yeah. bit. Clever. Yeah. yeah. Well, very important uh, discussions at the Dying Clean podcast. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for watching or listening to the Dying Clean podcast this week. Make sure to follow us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Dying Clean or subscribe to our newsletter at cleveland.com slash newsletters. Thanks. Bye.